You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Good morning, everyone. Praise be to God. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. It's good to be found in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to, my notes are stuck. It's good to have this privilege to preach God's word this morning to you. As we know, God is a God of love, and he has been a God of love from the very beginning of time. When he created the heavens and the earth, he had you and me in mind because the earth was created perfectly. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. And then he made man, and because of his great love, he made man a woman. So God has been good to us all the time even down through the Old Testament when he gave the laws and he gave the Ten Commandments. It wasn't because he was trying to be a hard taskmaster. It was because he loved us and he wanted, because God is unified, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is in perfect harmony with one another. He desires that we be that way also. I'd like to start off this morning by saying, if I love this, my lovely wife, Etta. And I responded, yes. And I would tell you, I have never really done anything bad to her. Hmm. First, that would be, that wouldn't be the truth, would it? Because I know that there has been time in my life when I did say bad things, and I've done things that hurt her. But what if I had not spoken harshly or done anything bad to her? Would that convince you this morning that I really loved her? Think about that. Let it soak in. Probably many of you sitting here this morning have never done anything bad to your spouse, but does it mean that you love them? That's not the real test. But the real test is whether I really love my wife is what I have done to demonstrate my love for her. Isn't that like Christ? He demonstrated his love to us while we were yet sinners. He cried for us. He died for us. He gave his life a ransom for many for us. These are the questions you need to ask yourself, and I ask myself, have I served her with a self-sacrificial love that looks out for her best interests? Maybe you are husband and wife, and you think it in your head, have I done just that? Have I treated her in a way that I would want to be treated if I were in her shoes? 
And have I done those things regardless of how she treat me? This is the loving attitude that we ought to have if we are Christians, not only for our family, but for everyone that crossed our path in life. The golden rule summarizes Jesus' teaching on how citizens of the kingdom of heaven are to live. It is called the golden rule because there is great attitude for one another. For some of you, you have heard this all your life. And because it is a popular scripture, I don't want you to miss the significance of what Jesus is teaching here. In 222 through 235, a Roman emperor, Alexander Severus, was so impressed with Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount that he adopted the golden rule as his motto, displayed it in public buildings, and promoted peace among religions. Some say the golden rule is called golden because Severus wrote it on his wall <laughs> in gold. But it's not clear whether he became a Christian. Did you know that nearly every religion throughout history, now this is something I didn't know, as well as those who claim to have no religion at all, I can understand that, hold to some form of what has come to be known as the golden rule. Confucius said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Fourth century, Anthean orator Socrates said, whatever angers you when you suffer at the hands of others, do not do it to others. Listen closely. But this idea is never presented in a positive form by anyone before Jesus. That sounds familiar to you. It has been said, but this is what I say. For these ideas require you to do nothing. Confucius, do nothing, do not do to others. And Socrates, do not do it to others. But Jesus say, treat nothing, Jesus commands us to do something. Listen, church, what a great way for Jesus to end the Sermon on the Mount. Everything that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount is summed up in this one-liner, this verse. This morning, God wants us to treat others as we want to be treated. That sounds easy, doesn't it? It's not. With righteousness and justice. He even goes as far as telling us how this can be accomplished because he knows how difficult it is on our own power to obey this command. Let me read it once again. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. The golden rule. My first point this morning 
is the golden rule is not required for salvation. What do you mean? What we need to keep in mind is that the Sermon on the Mount was directed to those who were already citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So he was not saying here that we get into the kingdom, one must behave in this manner. Jesus' sermon was focused on the idea that we can because God is more concerned with our hearts. Therefore, he said in Matthew 5.20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you would never enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at Paul. Paul learned that on the road to Damascus, the great apostle. Paul had been zealous for God doing all the things that he thought would earn favor with God up to that point. Have you been doing things to earn favor with God? Or has it been from the heart? Because Jesus Christ has changed your heart. But near the end of Paul's ministry, he looked back on all the things that he had once done in order to earn favor with God, his heritage, his religious training, his zeal for God, and his outward behavior. And he described them like this in Philippians 3, 8 through 9. For his sake, that's Christ, I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. One time in my life, I thought that I could earn righteousness. I thought that I could do things to please and to satisfy God. And this is what Paul thought. He thought he was doing God a favor. He thought he was doing something for God. He was very zealous for the Lord. So are we prone to just to do things to earn favor or righteousness of God? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. The world is full of people who has been deceived into thinking that they must do what they must do to be right with God. It's to live by the golden rule. Just think for a moment. Wars, there would be no divorce. There would be no robbery, no murder. It would solve all the world's problems. But Jesus did not say, if you obey this command, that you would, get, that you would be made right with God. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the work of the law through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no man will be justified. To even think that it is ludicrous apart from a relationship with God that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.24 says, So the law became our guardian until Christ came. The, the law led us to Christ until he arrived. 
The law showed us our sins. It showed us that we could never make it right. It showed us that we could never obey God's law in order that we might be justified by faith. Paul makes it clear that the kind of righteousness that makes us right with God is not our own righteousness that comes from our behavior, but rather the righteousness from God that comes through faith in Jesus alone. Because Jesus, the golden rule is not a requirement for salvation because Jesus came not to abolish the law, not to do away with it, but he came that he might fulfill it because he knew that we could never do it on our own. Second point, the golden rule is our standard for kingdom living. Let's look at this passage this morning to see what the golden rule is not as well as what it is. Verse 12 says, so whatever you wish that others do to you, do also to them. The word so is also translated. Matthew 7, 12 is our standard for kingdom living. Here is what the golden rule does not say. And you're going to be able to, when you hear these things, reflect back to the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what the golden rule does not say. It does not say, do to others what we would like them to do to us in order that they will do it to us. How many of us operate like that? Hmm? How many of us do things for people for them to do things back to us in return? I have done it. And I know you've done it also. The golden rule does not say treat others the way they treat us, good for good and evil for evil. I'll get back at you. You think you did something, but I'll, I'm going to make it right. <laughs> no. The golden rule said the way of Christ is not to do to others as they do to you. We should not treat men the way they treat us. Man, that's a... That's a hard saying. Man, you mean somebody treat me bad? I'm supposed to love them? Wow, that's, that's hard. The golden rule says, do not treat others the way you think they should be treated. How many of us do that? Here they go again, man. They need something. They need, they need money. Oh, here they go again. They, Man, that family's out of food again. Food again. That means I got to go to the store and, and, and I got to buy food to give to them. Man, I got mine. They got to get theirs. No? How many of us said that? Then we started to look for ways in which we can justify our feelings why we don't want to help those people. Treat others the way you think they should be treated? No. As believers, we ought to treat other people based on love and righteousness. Love and righteousness. This is how we're supposed to treat others. The golden rule does not say treat others the way we think they should be treated. We are to treat others the way we want them to treat us. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also unto them. Let's concentrate on do also unto them. Think with me for a moment and just ask yourself this question. How many of you have been in a situation whereby you've seen 
or you knew of someone who needed help for one reason or another, what did you do? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to cause us to be honest. I have a story to tell you. Uh, down, uh, down by where I live, uh, every Wednesday I'm, I'm, I'm headed out uh, down Manassas uh, Drive, and uh, I got just a few minutes to get where I'm going, and uh, I'm just speeding along. And at least, at least four times, I've seen this uh, older man walking with a cane. So if I've seen him so many times, I know he's legit. So I'm not afraid to pick him up because he, he, he's done it so many times, hitchhike. So one of those times, um, just as I got to him, I had to make a U-turn because I thought, oh my gosh, I left my phone. So I turned into the street corner where he's standing and I get ready to turn around, he started to come towards my car and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no, don't get in. And I, I felt so bad, but I turned around. Confession, good for the soul, isn't it? <laughs> and then just recently, because I had been studying this and looking at this and seeing what it really mean, I was driving down Manassas Drive again, and sure enough, I see him like a block away, hitchhiking. I looked, I said, oh my gosh. I looked at my watch, <laughs> I said, oh man, I got only a few minutes to get where I'm going. If I stop and pick this guy up, right, I'm going to be late. So what was I doing? What was I saying? So whatsoever you wish that others do to you, do what? Also to them. So was I putting my self-interest above his? Or was I thinking about him? Was I putting him first and say, I'm going to stop, pick this guy up? Okay, let me put myself in his shoes. Now, I got a bum knee, right? And it hurts if I walk a long ways. This guy's walking with a cane, so sure enough, he must have had something bum. So why didn't I put myself in his shoes and say, if I was out there hitchhiking, wouldn't I want somebody to pick me up? And as I passed that man, I felt so guilty because the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, why do you pass him up? It's okay if you're late. You could have picked him up. So I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about that because how many of you has been in a situation where you've seen or knew someone who needed help for one reason or another, what did you do? How you wanted to be treated, Christ says, treat others the same. What are we to do unto them? Philippians 2, 3 through 4 said, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Wow. That means I have to count you, 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 everybody in here more significant than myself. Let each of you look not only to his own. I don't like to play cornhole, but if you like to play it, I should play it. <laughs> what if I don't like sports cars and you like sports cars? Well, I'm interested in sports cars too because you like it. So let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
we are to pursue the highest good of others just as you would want them to do to you. You might say, the scriptures I just read about that, you might say scripture is about, that scripture is about Christ's humility. It's about him humbling himself and coming to earth to save me and you and to demonstrate how we need to humble ourselves for the sake of Christ. Tim Chalice put it this way, love is impossible without humility. If you want to excel in love, you first need to learn how to be humble. We do it to them. What are we to do unto them? We are to do active service to others. Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, through love, not just to check it off on the checklist, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to serve one another, and good examples of that is our own member care here at New City. Our own member care, uh, mercy, and advocacy ministry. If you are interested in serving on this ministry, please let us know. But it's all about serving one another. I'm pretty sure everyone here knows Mother Teresa, right? Everyone's familiar with this little nun with her cute self. She's small in frame. But throughout her life, Mother Teresa remained true to herself, unchanged by fame. And as a Catholic nun, she devoted her life to living in chastity, poverty, and charity. She did hard work with great love and helped people whom others neglected and ignored. She was a champion. Her feet were deformed. How many of you knew that? That her feet were deformed. Do you know why her feet were deformed? It wasn't because it was deformed from birth. It's because she worked at an orphanage. And you know they make big donations to those places. So when they delivered food and clothing and shoes, her and other nuns would go and dig through everything and make sure that the children had the best, especially her. And when it came down to the shoes, she dug through those shoes and she made sure that those children had the best shoes. She didn't dig through those shoes and made sure that she took the best shoes out first for herself, but she took the best shoes out for the children, for others. This is the way we should be in life. We do the best for others, not just the best for ourselves, but best for others first. In doing so, she neglected her own feet. And so she wore shoes that was too small, too big, too tight, because she was serving others. Lesson Church. What are we to do to them? We ought to be generous to others. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not so graciously us all things, 
God's generosity towards us should inspire us to be generous to others. Sometimes, and I say, God is, is so good. And sometimes I cry out and say, God, I don't deserve your goodness. I don't deserve your kindness. You just continue to lavish these things upon me. But it's not because of my own self-righteousness, though. It's because he loved me and because he poured out his love for me and because I realized that I must trust in God for he is my provider. He is my sustainer. He is my protector. So when we look back at Matthew 7, 7 through 11, we'll just preach a couple of weeks ago, we see a father in heaven who would give good things to those who asked him. It is that fact that leads us to the so in verse 12, just like the rest of it, back to 5. So at the beginning of verse 12, it is God's grace that colors his attitude towards us. God allows, I think it's so amazing that God allows the sun and the rain to shine and to fall upon those saved and unsaved. They receive the same blessings that we do. That's God's good graces because he loves mankind. He loves everyone. He wishes that none should perish, but that all should be saved. Isn't it the same with us? If God's grace that colors his attitude towards us, should not it also color our attitude towards others? Not just our friends. We don't have no problem taking care of ourselves. No, our families, man, that, we got, hey, family's blood. We got to take care of blood. But everyone, that's, that's a powerful statement. That's what makes Matthew 7, 12 so, so powerful. That's what makes it say at the end of, of verse 12, it says, for this is the law and the prophets because it sums up everything. 1 Peter 4.9 says, we are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You and I might be tempted to think, well, you know what? If I do nothing, I cannot go wrong. I'm going to play it safe. Is that what Confucius was talking about? Don't do it to them? because you don't want them to do it to you? Is that what Socrates was talking about? Don't do it to them. See, the golden rule is more than not doing wrong, and I think it's safe for me to say it is more than doing good. Here's what it is. It's looking, it's searching, and seeking ways to do good that you want others to do to you. It sets the culture for our church, and God is well pleased. Jesus said, when you have done it unto the least, you have done it unto me. And you know, I thought about that for a bit. Like, it don't mean that, not talking about a Christian person, it's talking about anybody. It's just talking about everybody, right? Why did he say, when you've done it unto the least, you've done it unto me? And then it hit me for we are all made in the image of God. We are all image barriers. 
So when we see that person that we think nothing of and we pass right by them without helping, if we see a person broke down on the side of the road, maybe a lady, maybe an elder man, and he needs his tire change, and he's just there waiting, and we just pass by them, you have done it unto me. New City are blessed. Believe me, we are blessed because there are many of you in this church who actually practice this in your daily lives. And we are so thankful for you. And we are so grateful that you are a part of us. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others will do to you, do also to them. Now listen. Paul could not have said it better in Romans 13, 8 through 19. Paul says this for me and you. Owe no man nothing except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The Ten Commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What does all this mean to you? Jesus did what me and you could not do. You know what that was? He fulfilled the law. Because of his great love for us. He knew how impossible for us to live the kingdom life that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. While we was going through that series and Will was preaching and Brian was preaching and I preached a couple times, did you ever think, man, I can never do all that stuff. I, I could never perfectly keep that because it's not as much as what you do than what's in your heart. Thank you. <laughs> like we really care and we could care less. The problem is, the problem with us is obedience to the simple command of the golden rule is impossible for sinful, sinful human beings and so the golden rule is our standard for kingdom living. And lastly, the golden rule is a standard that is only enabled by our relationship with Jesus. Even if we have committed our lives to Jesus, our sinful nature still lives within us. We may have the desire to live by the golden rule, but we do not have the ability to carry it out through our own efforts. Jesus said that our best righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul said in Romans seven fifteen, for I do not understand my action. How many times have you said it to yourself? How many times have I said it to myself? I cannot understand my action. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I act that way? Paul said, for I do not do what I want. I want to do what is right, but I find myself stirred in a different direction. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. How many times have you found yourself in that situation? How many times you say, here I go again, I opened my big mouth, and I said the wrong thing? 
In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You, you couldn't obey the golden rule apart from Christ. You're not able to. You need a heart change. Your heart need to be changed. That was one of the issues he had with the Pharisees and the scribes. They was doing things just to be seen. They were just checking off the box. But their heart was far from what they was doing. We don't want that to happen to us. Jesus knew that we would not be able to obey the Beatitudes that he laid out in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, he said, I have not come to abolish the law because you are not able because you guys are not able to keep it. But he said, I have come to fulfill the law by being obedience to my father unto death. Even the death of the cross, that through me you can live a life of righteousness. That's the only way you're gonna live a life of righteousness is through Christ Jesus. You can't obey the law and keep it on your own. It's only through Christ Jesus that you can do so. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we trust in Christ. Verse 13 would you take a look at that if you have it in your Bibles? Verse 13. Man, this was like an eye-opener to me because I never really looked at it this way. But in verse 13, if you look at that while I'm talking, I'm preaching, tells us to enter the narrow gate. Jesus actually gives two ways here, but he actually tells us as, as Christians to tell us as believers, enter the narrow gate. Enter right here. You enter in the narrow gate. Not the wide gate because it's between living your own way or entering through faith in Christ in the way that leads to everlasting life. He knew that obeying the law you could not do. Even the attitudes, he knew that you could not obey the command so whatever you wish that others do, it sounds good, but you can't do it. So Jesus is the narrow way. He said, enter here. If you want to obey the commandment in that verse, then you need to enter here at the narrow gate. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and in and find pastor. It is only through Christ that one is able to walk on the narrow way to strive in his Sermon on the Mount. Why is it so narrow? See, I call the narrow way grace way. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 say, 
for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it's not checking off the box to say that I'm righteous and to find favor with God it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast he tells us that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. You know what he tells us in Matthew 16, 24? He says, if anyone, any one of you would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever saves his life. If you don't want to deny yourself for the sake of Christ, if you don't want to put away your sins, to put away your pride, to put away your hard heart, to put away your sinful ways, he said if you don't want to do that, you must deny yourself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever saves his life shall lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. So whatever you wish that others do also unto them. How do we as followers of Christ respond to this command of the golden rule? Love the Lord your God with all your heart? Did you know that the first thing you need to do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? Why? Because you cannot love others without loving God with everything. And did you know, you cannot treat others the way that you want to be treated without loving God for all your heart, for all your soul, and mind, and strength. Second thing, do not rely on your own strength, only through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why Christ gave us his spirit. Do we acknowledge him? Do we know that he lives within us? Do we know that it is the spirit of God that empowers us? Third, treat everyone with the same grace that God has shown you. Let grace color your eyes to treat others as you want to be treated. And then treat everyone with justice and righteousness that only come from knowing Christ. And finally, treat everyone as we ourselves want to be treated. I'm just about finished. But how do you respond to this message if you are not following, or you're not a follower of Christ? How do you respond to this message? I just told Christian how to respond. But how about somebody has not put their faith, and trust in Christ. Realize that you have entered 
the wide gate. In verse 13, the wide gate is yours. You was born on the wide gate. And the way is easy. There's no self-denial. There's no cross. There is no savior. There's no salvation. There is no everlasting life. You are headed to destruction with many friends. There's going to be many people with you. But Romans 2.8 speaks to you this morning. Romans 2.8 says, But for those who are self-seeking and does not obey the truth, but unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So now that you have heard the truth of God's word, how do you respond? If you feel God speaking to you right now, all you got to do is respond to his invitation. You know what his invitation is? Right here in verse 13 and 14, enter into the narrow way. And that's grace way. So John 13, 16 is so familiar to us, sometimes I think we don't really understand it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Rome, one believes and is justified. And communion, communion is love on display. That's what communion is. When you look at the wine and you look at the bread, it's love on display. The wine representing the blood, the bread representing the body. The sinless life that fulfilled the law and the prophets so that we might be made the righteousness of God. When I finish praying, you can take communion. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning that the golden rule would become a reality in our everyday living for Christ. Lord, may it be evidence in the way that we treat each other as we want to be treated. Lord, may we know and feel that we do not have to check the boxes in order to be right with you. All we have to do is to believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and we are saved. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that this verse in chapter 7, 12 would resonate in our minds and our hearts from now until evermore that we realize that we must treat others the way we want to be treated. Not just to check off the box, but to treat them with righteousness and justice with the love of Christ that was shared in our hearts. We thank you, Father. We praise you and we adore you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you're ready, let's commune.